This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Agents Assemble! This is episode number 14 of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Agent Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Well, I'm joined by one of them, at least. Uh, Probably the best one. To be perfectly honest, he is a comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network. If you want to talk pop culture, sports, politics, or pretty much anything, he's the guy to talk to. Agent Rod Morrow, welcome back. Hey, man, more like agent assemble this time, right? Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's just you and me today. Uh, no doubt, man. Well, you know, um, Gwen and Bibbs are off doing uh, secret solo missions, Um to investigate my origin and see why I'm so important to the team. <laughs> yes, well, the, their official alibi for why they're gone is that apparently Agent Bibbs is away covering the Sundance Film Festival and Agent Gwen is at the Television Critics Association press tour, so she's going to be gone for a few weeks. Uh, but I, I heard from her that next week she will actually be on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., set she will be at shield headquarters yeah that's amazing i can't wait to hear what she uh what she gets into uh hopefully she doesn't have to uh tranquilize anybody uh to try to steal any secret codes well don't be surprised if she shows up uh later on in the season as agent ward's love interest that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) uh yeah and and i'm i'm totally not jealous that that's what they're off doing today not at all (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, well, we are the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Uh, we strive to take both an enthusiastic and a critical approach to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so there's a little something for everyone. As always, you can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all of our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That helps us out a lot. And if you leave us a really good review, we will make you an honorary member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. We also have a uh, voicemail line that you can call at 336-793-2509, so you can call and leave us some feedback and let us know what you think of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this show is being recorded live at Spreecast.com. To receive updates on when we're going to be recording live, you can just search for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast with all of the periods in there and sign up to be alerted for whenever we do a live recording. You can also follow any of us on Twitter for info on when we'll be recording live, and we will give out those handles at the end of the show. We have one honorary member to induct into the team today. We got a review from Terry Liv on Stitcher. So, Rod, why don't you go ahead and read us that review? All right. It's a five-star review, my favorite type of review. Um, And it says, the best Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. This show has a great mix of personalities to discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The hosts are knowledgeable and funny. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Terry Liv. Uh, today, the great mix of personalities is just me and you, Rod. Well, you know, uh, you just need a little bit of mixing to make it work. I think so. You know, as long as it's not a, a one person only on the show, then uh, it's, it's a mix of some kind. I would like to think that all of us are so interesting that even if there was just one one of us hosting the show, it would still be very interesting. <laughs> Terry Liv, thank you for listening. Uh, we're very happy to bring you on the team. It's our resident meteorologist. Is a superstorm headed towards your town? Call Terry Liv. She knows what to do. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, Terry. Uh, we really appreciate your support. As always, if you would like to be uh, an honorary member of the team, just leave us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. But uh, let's dive right into the show. Today we're going to be discussing episode 12 of season 1 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The episode is titled Seeds. It was written by Monica Owusu-Breen and Jed Whedon. And it was directed by Kenneth Fink. Uh, Agent Rod Morrow, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners the quick synopsis of what happened this episode? Coulson and May uncover startling information about Sky's past while the team is swept into a storm at S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. I would say that's actually a fairly accurate synopsis this week, Rod. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think sometimes they over, um, apparently over-promise in these uh, synopsises. Um, synopsi, I don't know. But um, I don't really uh, read them until we do the show. Uh, normally, and this is uh, one of the first times I can go. That's exactly what happened. I like how they say that the team is swept into a storm at Shield Academy. You get it, Rod? It's a it's a pun. It has multiple yeah. meanings. There's conflict and there's an actual storm. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and hopefully they don't make too much a habit out of being too on the nose because I don't want to be able to figure it out without uh, you know, before watching it. But I, it's it's like the perfect mm-hmm. amount of. Uh, pun and foreshadowing in that uh, in that synopsis. Yeah, there's going to be some episode where they have to like defuse a bomb or something, and the synopsis is going to be like, "There's an explosive yeah. conflict or something <laughs> that they have to deal with." <laughs> but uh, all right, let, let's dive into this episode, uh, um, Rod. I, I think it's safe to say that out of everyone on the show, you've been the most enthusiastic and optimistic about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so far. You've been pretty mu- pretty on board with this show from the very beginning. Did this episode continue its winning streak for you? Uh, yeah, man. Um, this is one of those times where uh, you know, I wish Bibbs had been on the show and Oliver and all this so I could be like, huh? See? Uh, it, you can do things. You can build towards things with this show and it's happening, you know, just so I could like kind of rub it in that they uh you know are delivering on some of the promise that they've been setting up i don't think the, the episode is necessarily perfect but it was just it got so much stuff right it's it's it, it just you know continued to step forward in a lot of the uh you know mysteries that they've set up and i've enjoyed it you know I, i've en- i enjoyed what they did with sky in this episode and uh her origin and i you know i actually was a bit surprised by it because we've all, you know, floated different theories, and this was one that um, we really didn't have, you know. And I do kind of want to see what her quote-unquote powers will be. I'm assuming that will be some reveal down the line at some point to see, like, why she's so fucking important. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Emo Coulson. <laughs> Over-talkative Melinda May was uh, a real treat. You know, people have been saying she hasn't had enough to do. And it was cool to see her. Um, and it wasn't like a huge shift in character, you know, so it stayed true to the, the character they've written. But her being a little nervous and protective of Coulson 
and uh talking too much uh that was kind of cool um and i've wondered about their relationship as mentor mentee or co-workers like how that relationship works so it was cool to see her and colson kind of go off together and do some stuff and um everything that happened at the shield academy was just fun it was just fun you know from the origin of blizzard obviously the main takeaway most like fanboys are going to have from this but also just like the environment of what exactly goes into the shield science division and uh some of the contrast between that and operations uh, a lot of the the jokes about how Fitz and Simmons are really the stars of the team the star you know in, in this one environment it's obvious like oh no 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 these guys are the big dogs on campus and yeah that was a cool contrast well, I just want to quickly say, Rod, when you said Emo Colson, I had this vision of Clark Gregg in uh, the, the uh, Peter Parker getup from Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And <laughs> now that's kind of all I want to see <laughs> on the show. When they first cut to him sitting in the room going over his foul for probably, what, the thousand times since he's been yeah. And just kind of pouting. I was just like, oh, Colson's all emo now. You know, I kind of <laughs> wanted to see him uh, – you know, chew up some scenery with uh, just sulking, and uh, he was able to do that, but they didn't let it linger there. Well, Rod, I, I agree with you. I wish Bivs and Gwen were on the show this week to talk about it with us, and there's a part of me that wishes we had had Oliver on this week instead of last week, <laughs> because uh, I don't know if you've been following his reviews over at the AV Club, but uh, this week they actually gave the show a B, which is the first B they've handed out in, in quite a while. And it seems like most people agree that this was an, an episode of the show that's, that's one of the better ones. And I'm fully on board. I, I think that this is probably the best episode of the show since The Hub. Mm. I was really impressed by almost every scene, almost every aspect of it. I, I love the fact that they got off the plane again and we finally got to see some new locations we got to see uh shield academy which was really cool basically the marvel version of hogwarts i guess <laughs> and we we got to see uh mexico city even though that was basically just an alleyway <laughs> i still yeah. appreciated the Quick attempt <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i like the fact that they just got everyone out of the plane doing some different stuff everything felt like an improvement uh, this week. It felt like they were moving the story along. They were moving the characters forward. They were branching out the mythology and the world. Visually, it felt a lot more assured. Uh, Kenneth Fink, who directed this episode, I think did a, a really great job. I know Bibbs and I have complained about some of the fight choreography uh, that the show has had. I thought that the one hand-to-hand -hand fight scene this episode that happens in that alleyway between May and and Agent Lumley, I thought that that was actually a really, really well done fight scene. Uh, it, you had actually, I, I, I winced a few times, <laughs> Rod, when like when May gets like slammed against uh, the back and when she throws him into the wall. All the fight stuff with May to me always rings better than uh, the stuff with Ward. Her uh, her action scenes, and I don't know how much of that stuff uh, she mean uh, that she does by herself that she really does. But, like, it seems like she's doing it all. Like, whoever the stunt doubles and shit are, they make it look so good. It, I really feel like she got punched in the face. Right. I've reached the conclusion that the fight scenes 
and and their effectiveness for me it really just depends on whoever's behind the camera because there will be sometimes where it'll be like okay may's doing some really cool stuff but the camera will be zoomed in a bit too close or it'll cut too quickly for you to really see what she's doing and it'll just kind of feel very cliche and stale certain and to a certain extent. Like, oh, here's just a May doing some more badass stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like how in this episode, we actually got a real sense of the fight. Uh, we got to see all of the choreography. And then when the guy, when, when he tries to like climb up the fire escape and, and uh, Coulson just goes up after him in Lola, yes. I thought that was a really cool moment. Although I do think it's strange that they would take Lola <laughs> to right. what looks to be kind of like a pretty shady part of Mexico City. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I hope they don't get out this car or I'm assuming S.H.I.E.L.D. has some proprietary technology that is really good for car alarms. Yeah, (laughs) I assume so. But yeah, overall, I really, really liked uh, this episode. This is what I want to see week after week. I want to see this show exploring the characters and exploring the world at the same time and making the twists feel like that they matter. Um, I wish we had gotten to this point sooner, but I'm glad we finally made it. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's it's one of those things where... um, I feel like the show's been building towards this, but it's just been slow. And, um, you know, I actually was thinking it would take longer to get to some of this, like, more of this stuff. Like, I actually thought they gave away a lot of uh, Sky's uh, origin, quote-unquote, in this. Like, I thought there would be, like, some other layer or just another question that you get to or whatever. Um, but I was kind of satisfied with it. Um and obviously there's, you know, it's not over or anything, but I was kind of satisfied with the way that they're uh, digging into the character. So, I, you know, as a person who's kind of been advocating for the show, because, uh, you know, I, I actually do enjoy the show when I watch it. Uh, I know a lot of people that I interact with on Twitter and stuff. They like the show when we watch it. Um, it's good to see, like, some of that promise being delivered. And hopefully they can keep that momentum going and uh the, the preview for next week looked like they would uh, continue to try to uh, have more of these fast-paced type shows. I hope so. I, I hope that they keep picking up the pace, and, and I thought that this episode chugged along quite nicely. There was never a moment where I felt bored or felt like it was just kind of spinning its wheels, and I feel like that show, that like the show has done that a lot to a certain extent over the past few weeks, and, and I'm, I'm glad that it seems like they finally worked out the kinks. And yeah, I hope it continues this way. We were headed into the Hunan province of China. Senior agent called in an 084. An object of unknown origin. We've dealt with those before. He said the entire village had died. Trying to protect this one. Avery and I were just fresh out of the academy. There were five of us running the back end until we lost communication with the first team. We went searching. We found the senior agent under a bridge. Okay, he managed to escape with a gunshot wound to the neck, but he bled out. He was still holding on to the 084. <sighs> Poor thing was covered in blood. We thought she was dead, too. But she, she was just asleep in the dead agent's arms. Like, the baby? The girl was the 084? If she had powers or something, we never witnessed it. The five of us helicoptered the kid off, headed home. After we landed, we started getting crossed off. Executed. Tortured. Heads bashed in. Then when it came down to Avery and I, 
we realized the only way to keep our people and the kid from being hunted was to erase her from existence. What do you think about, um, you know, obviously we were there for Kosin and May getting the reveal of like, well, this is what happened to the team that came in to kind of to, to get um, Sky as a child and all these people are dying and stuff. And then Kosin tells her the truth. But they kind of like fade out and then go to commercial or whatever, go to the next scene. What'd you think about that? Because I saw a couple people on my timeline who were like, oh, they just yada yada her origin story. But I thought they actually did a good job of using their time to just go, yeah, we've explained this. You know what he's going to tell her because you heard him get told it a couple minutes ago. So we don't have to like see the whole thing with her being told it they just kind of did like a montage of her crying and all this and other stuff going on yeah that's honestly all we need we needed to see really was just a shot of her crying and we get it that's how she reacted uh i'm glad that they didn't repeat what they had already told us and and i want to talk about this this twist in this reveal about sky's origins because this is what i think the show needs to be doing in terms of handling its twists and how it reveals information, this to me was much more satisfying than the reveal we got last week about Colson and what happened with him. Just because, as we talked about some last week, I felt like the Colson reveal, we already knew a lot of that to a certain extent. We, we could have assumed that a lot of that happened. They just threw in a cool, a few cool shots of like a machine working on his brain and stuff like that. But this week, finding out that Sky was actually an 084, which I think we may have joked about yeah. <laughs> on the show uh, in, in episode two or three when Coulson does make that kind of on-the-nose comment, well, you're kind of an object of an unknown origin. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out that's actually the case. <laughs> and I have mixed feelings about the fact that Sky could pretty much be an alien, mm. but in terms of how they revealed it, I just found it much more satisfying because I didn't expect that. I don't think there's there's really anything aside from that little on-the-nose line yeah. at the very beginning uh, that really could have prepared anyone for it, and it completely changes, I think, how we view Sky and how she views her role in this team. As Coulson basically tells May, you know, now she kind of like Coulson is going to view S.H.I.E.L.D. as the family yeah. that she never had. Yeah, I thought it was uh, important for a couple reasons. One, Coulson losing his faith through, you know, discovering that uh, he was basically forced back alive and tricked into wanting to stay alive. Like it, it kind of shook him to his core and shook his faith in Shield as an organization and as his quote unquote family, which is something they've been really drilling home these last two episodes. The concept of Shield being a family in Colson's mind. I don't think anyone else necessarily believes that, but Colson's definitely running his 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 crew as a family, and you know the people that work you know in the the hub and the people that work at the Shield. Uh, you know, Academy, I don't know that they roll with that, but just, that's what Colson believes. So having his core, like just belief shaken to their core and then turning around and having more secrets that he found out about Sky kind of behind her back. I think that moment where he decides to tell her 
was a really cool moment just because it meant that there was some effect from the shows before like that's kind of what i'm looking for is for the show to build its own narrative so that the universe that they create for agents of shield makes its own sense without any you know other marvel relations just these actors and these stories and so seeing like hey secrets hurt me and i would have rather known the truth i'm not gonna do that to you we're gonna stop that cycle right now that was really cool man so i enjoyed that reveal i agree i think that was a really really good decision both on colson's part and on the writer's part on on having that happen because the main thing that a show like this needs it needs to just constantly be moving forward it needs to be moving these relationships and these characters new places and that's what that does because for a while now it's been this whole thing with Colson and May kind of knowing what was up with Sky and knowing that there was something weird there but then not wanting to tell her and it's just been kind of redundant whenever they bring up Sky's origin like oh yeah something weird's going on I guess we'll get to it eventually but we're not going to tell her anything right now yeah. and I'm glad that they finally got out of that rut where now she knows and now we can actually move forward into some other things yeah it was also cool too because um like sky's reaction of like crying and then uh you know later i guess when colson kind of reveals that she wasn't necessarily that broken by and i i'm really like narrative wise i wish they'd shown it a different way than having clark Gregg just say what happened after that like it would have been cool like even like a little flashback or something you know like to show like that this happened not not that it's the worst thing in the world but i kind of wish i saw it instead of uh him saying it but her taking it and flipping it into it's not that i never had a family it's not that i never had anyone looking out for me it's that i always had a family i always had people looking out for me i just didn't know it and uh that was kind of cool and i wonder what that does for her character going forward as far as her ties to shield because she's always kind of been the quote-unquote loose cannon uh, with her allegiances. Right, right. And I think that what it does is it also sets up a really interesting dichotomy between how she handles these reveals versus how Colson handles these reveals. Because as we discussed uh, last week, Rod, you know, Colson, and as we saw in this week, as you mentioned, Colson's kind of depressed <laughs> about what he's discovered. He's kind of moping around. He feels like he can't really trust shield anymore and in contrast sky she's the much more bubbly optimistic person as we've talked about she's kind of the emotional heart in some ways uh, of the team so it'll be interesting to see as they continue to you know explore what shield has kept from them and, and what the real story is behind all of this how they're able to kind of rely on each other and how their response to these reveals impacts each other because mm -hmm. i feel like colson could still as you mentioned wind up losing the will to live if he really stops to think about it but sky on the other hand could be the person that can pull him out of that mm -hmm. yeah i agree and the writing to me has been a little bit stronger now that they've uh, kind of established these characters and i don't did you notice like they're kind of writing fits a little bit more dickish the last two weeks <laughs> yeah i like that yeah. i like that i'm not against it at all i'd like that they're separating him and simmons kind of but uh it's kind of crazy how now he's the one you know 
yelling at agents last week for you know not getting his uh not understanding what he, his point and you know and and now he's a big man on campus here with along with Simmons and then he pulled that that great line about how uh they pick on him for being young but one day they will, <laughs> uh, they're going to be uh wrinkly old hags yeah <laughs> that was a that was a great line it felt like jed whedon was channeling some of Josh yeah, yeah there a little bit yeah that that was great i, I want to talk about fitz and simmons in a, in a second the last thing i'll say about everything with sky and, and colson is i like how now that we've finally gotten these reveals with colson and sky out of the way now the show can return to that central theme that was planted there in the first few episodes, which is what is S.H.I.E.L.D. exactly? Are, is S.H.I.E.L.D. the good guys or is, is S.H.I.E.L.D. the bad guys? Uh, how do we view government agencies? How do we view, you know, to use a real-life example, something like the NSA, mm-hmm. which can spy on us but is also supposed to protect us? Should we trust these government agencies or not? I like how the reveals in this episode kind of start to push that idea for a little bit further along where, as you mentioned, because he's so distrustful to a certain extent of shield at this point, that Coulson, that that's part of what inspires him to tell sky. Right. And he's, he's just kind of fed up with all the secrets. He's just kind of like, you know what? Let's be transparent. Let's just be open. All right, May, you're having sex with Ward. Cool. Right. Just, yeah. let's, if, if, let's get it out there. If you can handle it, I have no problem with it. I kind of like also that I feel like his newfound, like, I don't, no more secrets kind of came from a, a place of anger where he's like, I was hurt by this, you know, like, Right, and I think it's ironic for us, but this is not new for Josh Whedon or his the concept from the show, which is that death is not necessarily something bad. It can also be something like a relief for people, and I feel like Colson's got that kind of anger, like Buffy did um, in the last season, where it's like, I was dead. I didn't give you guys permission to bring me back. Obviously, I would rather have died. And um, you guys made like I don't have a choice in this. Now right. I'm back. And I kind of like that his reveal came from like anger, almost like let me tell you also this other shit. You know, that's going on with Shield because you know no more secrets. You want to know the truth? Here's the truth. I like that Sky's acceptance of it was almost healing for Ward. I mean for uh, Colson in that scenario where it's almost like. Yeah, and then she took this shit way better than I did. So Sky, I think they're they're gradually starting to make her a, a more interesting character because, okay, last week I, th- I think we talked about how in some ways she's becoming Melinda May mm-hmm. to a certain extent. She's got the outfit. She was doing all the spy stuff. It was like the beginnings of Melinda May. Mm-hmm. And now in this episode, Sky is, is almost like how Coulson used to be she's discovering oh well yeah i lost my family and i was shuffled around but shield was there all along shield was my protector yeah i love shield shield is great shield is my family where now colson is a bit farther along and he's starting to say well okay maybe maybe that family isn't quite as great as you think they are yeah well colson thought that it would destroy her and that would be it though that, right. that so that's why i was like 
I wonder if him saying that was supposed to be like almost like you know and it's like when you don't like somebody and you come home and you're talking to your girl and you tell her like and they also said this about you you know it felt like he was trying to have a moment of like right isn't she the worst and she was like well I guess in that way they're not really the worst and he's like fuck I guess (laughs) because <laughs> they're not really the worst you know i told her this because when he's telling may he's kind of like yeah i told her that the truth and she's like why would you do that he's like because i thought she would also be like fuck shield and apparently i was wrong so yeah yeah so i i, I really do think that their relationship's going to be an interesting one to potentially explore over, over the rest of the series as sky right now is kind of very much pro shield yeah. and colson is very anti-shield to a certain extent it's also cool that um they're developing relationships beyond romance, you know, mm-hmm. because the May and Colson relationship, it seems very platonic, but also very intimate in a way where, you know, they know each other like an old married couple knows each other. And, you know, even with, it, with the point where uh, there's that scene where May's talking and she's kind of like revealing all this stuff, even that her and Ward are sleeping together. And you have this this moment where, as a as a viewer, at least I was having this moment like, "Wow, May's really opening up." And then Clark Gregg's character, Colson, calls her on it like, "Yeah, you're talking this much because you think <laughs> oh, something's wrong with me." So yeah, you know, it, and that was really cool, man. I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of hoping that when uh, May revealed that she had been sleeping with Ward, Colson would would be like. Why are you sleeping with him? I'm right here. Come on. That would have been messy. You know, I would have been all for that. <laughs> I'm hurt right now. I'm questioning my entire existence. I need some relief. I need some loving. I'm always pro uh, love triangle or love square, whatever you got. So, All right. Well, let's move on to, to Fitz and Simmons um, and everything with S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. I thought that was really cool. And I agree. I, I like what you said earlier about how they're the celebrities, they're the stars, everyone knows their names. And I like how just with a few lines of dialogue, the writers were able to make S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy feel like a real place to a certain extent, where they've established there's rivalries between the different branches, and they've they've started establishing just the different campus dynamics. And yeah, there's a secret place in the boiler room where everyone goes to party, which doesn't make a lot of sense from a school administrative perspective, but I'm totally willing to go with it. Yeah, I also like that uh, essentially the boiler room, as cool and underground as it is, just a bunch of nerds having a party <laughs> in a basement. Like they weren't, yeah. Even, uh, it, like they weren't even really having that good a time. It's just hot, a lot of techno music and nerds standing around. <laughs> Yeah, okay. You know if operations had a place like this, oh, had, yeah. had a place like that, there'd be like a firing range. <laughs> there'd probably be like some strippers. Yeah. There. Like but jello wrestling in the back and like yeah. all kinds of a fight club somewhere. But no, the the boiler room for the science nerds is just, well yeah, let's have a few drinks and play pool. I feel like operations all gets together and they're like, let's go to a dive bar out in the middle of the country. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, these guys are more like, we'll have a cool, we'll brew our own beer underneath the school. Yeah, I, I liked everything there. I liked how, uh, you know, they even have like the, the the shield wall with the names of all the fallen agents. So it's kind of like a university, but it's also kind of like 
a government agency at the same time. Mm-hmm. I just really liked pretty much everything about how they they handled that little subplot. I don't know where they filmed it, yeah, but it looked kind of like a real university to me. Maybe it was uh maybe it was Phoenix University. Maybe. It's, maybe so. <laughs> maybe we finally found the campus of uh, Phoenix University online. Yeah. <laughs> it was the thing I liked about it was the stark contrast of culture because they pretty much uh set up like so many people have gone into this show with these tropes and it's not their fault we we see these things on everything we watch the nerdy people are the nerdy people operation the fight people who fight all the time are the cool people that's you know the way things are designed so it's i mean we've gone pretty much nine or so shows without a challenge to that assumption uh, even when they went to shield headquarters there was no reason to assume that the science people were any more important or whatever official than the operations people and then you get to this um you you get to you get to this school and even ward is like yeah this, they're the man he, like because sky is kind of taken aback like wow these guys are really getting treated like rock star he's like yep that's what happens you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is what happens these are the these are the rock stars no one knows our names we didn't invent the freeze uh the freeze grenade we didn't yeah like uh plenty of people go out and fight and get killed for shield not a lot of people sitting around uh you know becoming the youngest graduates of shield academy uh like these two guys and uh i really uh that really uh was a good move for me and i like how they used everything at the academy to start to develop a a little bit more of Fitz's character and we find out that yeah he was kind of a loner when he was there at the academy and he forms this semi-pseudo friendship with Donnie mm-hmm. that at this point has gone to hell <laughs> by the end of the episode I'm not I'm not sure they're they're really good they're they're destined to be good friends um <laughs> Yeah, uh, anytime you take someone uh, who his dream job was uh, going to, uh, what is it? Is it the vault? What is the... Uh, the sandbox. Yeah, his dream job was going to be at the sandbox to monitor it, and now his dream job has become he's going to be one of the people in the sandbox being monitored. Uh, right. Probably not uh, the best foundation for a new friendship between him and Fitz. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But I really liked that scene where Fitz just went to his room and they were just hanging out, talking, and Fitz was helping him out with the, with his battery, and they were just kind of being nerds together. Yes. I like scenes like that. Uh, it's similar to kind of what we got in episode, uh, I believe it was episode six or seven, Fizzed. That was just Fitz and Simmons talking. Now we've got Fitz and Donnie talking yep. and just kind of getting to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, Fitz, Fitz is a great character, even when they went on the mission with he and Ward. I enjoyed that. Yep. I enjoyed the back and forth between them uh, probably more than anything else in that um, in that episode. And there was a lot of good things in that episode. Yeah. In fact, the, the one minor complaint, the one little minor nitpick I would have against this episode is that I kind of want to start seeing some more work done with Simmons mm. now because we haven't really gotten much from Simmons since she jumped out of the airplane. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be something with her that's got to be major at some point. Like, before the season's over, they need to give her her own, like, episode about just kind of a her problem because she mm. really hasn't gotten that yet. And the one sidebar, the little sidebars they give her about her family and stuff – 
you know they don't really significantly affect the plot yeah maybe if we could meet her family if they you know like that maybe that would be cool to see where she comes from or something as a small side plot or something like where you just spend an episode with the the simmons uh says or whatever but uh she needs something i agree yeah, there was that one little subplot in an episode where she was like, she wasn't talking to her parents or whatever because she hadn't told them about how she tried to kill herself. And that kind of implied that maybe she was suffering from some PTSD. Mm-hmm. And they haven't really gone back to that. Yeah, they also kind of set up a little quasi romance thing with her and Fitz, and that never really, that's kind of gone to the wayside now. Mm hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt Garza in the chat says that she's British and doesn't have bad teeth, so she's already won. That is true. That is true. She's won the genetic lottery over there. No more development needed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that they do a little bit more work with uh, with Simmons. I think it would have been cool just to if, – if they had tried to do something in this episode where we had gotten a feel for how nerdy girls – are treated oh, yes. in in uh at, at shield academy that would have been good that would because even the girl that uh was approached by ward to be uh his secret black ops uh like recruit to her secret black ops level six division of shield even with her we didn't get to see like much of her brain it was just kind of like i was playing pool oh you tricked me and that was kind of all she was there for Right, and and I just want to point out that you know the Marvel Universe is a fantasy. I don't mean this to come across as mean, but you know it's a fantasy because all the nerdy girls look like models. Well, all the nerds are hot, and even the yeah. dudes. Like they're all yes. just no ugly people on this show. Um, I don't. I mean, I think the ugliest we, Shield person we've seen was the truck driver in uh, that one episode <laughs> that. I hope he comes back. Yeah, maybe we can get some more of him. Like uh, you, you would think Shield would need to infiltrate all kinds of stuff, so they would need d- d- randomly different types of people. But uh, mm-hmm. apparently, uh, we are stuck on just beautiful models infiltrating every organization on the man. Speaking of past characters, mm-hmm. before we move on, can I? I just want to say something also about the Shield Academy thing. Sure. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, the guy who played Donnie, Donald Guild, who uh, we find out basically this is Blizzard's origin story for people that read the comic books. Blizzard, not really a huge comic book guy. Uh, we were just joking last week about, you know, seeing the kangaroo and shit, but, uh, it's kind of, you know, bit better than the kangaroo, obviously, guys. So, but, but like a lower level character, they probably were never planning on using him in any type of movie. And you can use them here, not a mutant. I thought I thought it was a cool, like almost like the graviton thing, where here's an origin. I hope this guy comes back, and uh, we see like him use his powers like more fully in a in a in an episode later. That's setting up their own like universe where they can go back to these characters. I really like the fact that his origin, much like the graviton origin, it was sympathetic. It wasn't just an origin of. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad. I'm evil. I'm gonna go Columbine on the school. It was like a guy who actually got reached by Fitz. You know, there was like this hope for him, even when shit was going wrong. He was kind of like, uh, "This is a bad idea." He had a really bad influence in his friend, and then his friend dies, who's you know apparently his only friend. And this guy's like uh, almost, uh, you know, like a savant of some type, but he can't even 
communicate with people uh, below 170 IQ, according to yeah. uh, <laughs> why specifically that number, I don't know. But he can't even talk to you if you have a 170 or below IQ. So uh, this guy basically makes friends, loses both his friends because uh, no way him him Fitz can uh, still be buddies after this shit and gain superpowers. It was like a mini uh, chronicle uh, plot right in the middle of this uh, this show. And uh, I, I really thought they it was very well done as far as in uh, origin for Blizzard. I agree. It reminded me a lot of the asset uh, and you're totally right that they do make him very sympathetic. And he seems like a person who has good intentions, uh, like the Doctor who ultimately, is, we assume, is going to become Graviton, mm-hmm. wants to do the right thing, but stuff just goes wrong. I would really love for him to come back as evil at some point, but mm-hmm. explore that relationship between him and Fitz that they kind of bonded and talk about that you know, on the show. Well, for people like me who haven't read the comics, can you tell us a little bit more about Blizzard as a character? Is is he basically just the Marvel version of Mr. Freeze? Well, he's not even as big as Mr. Freeze is in DC. Like, Blizzard's right. not even, like, a name guy. I've seen him in other people's, like, rogue gallery, but he's one of those guys that's not exclusive to any particular hero. He can be. I've seen him in Iron Man before. And I've also seen him in like Captain America. He's the, he's one of those dudes that you just pull out of the henchman roster when you're like, hey, we got this cool story with the Red Skull and we need to give him some henchmen that kind of slow Captain America down until he gets to the Red Skull. Oh, who's writing? Who's using Blizzard these days? Nobody. OK, we'll put Blizzard in there. Uh, you know, like that's the level of uh bad guy he is uh well what can he do does he just freeze things does he cause storms like like storm from the x-men what exactly are his powers it's all code related he can basically freeze things like imagine Iceman, but without him turning into ice or anything like that he can't like turn into ice but uh okay he can but he can you know freeze you make you cold make it snow make it you know rain hail that's the level of powers that he has well i would just like to point out that he's off to the sandbox I'm pretty sure that's where we last saw Graviton. So, So, you know, and it's um, in a lot of Avengers lore. I don't know that this will translate to Age of the Shield, but in a lot of Avengers lore, they have this like place where they house these these criminals and then something always goes wrong and all the criminals get out. So it could really be uh, huge if uh, because I don't think we've ever even brought up this possibility on the show, but. If they do kind of start collecting a cast of just knockoff criminals, and by knockoff, I just mean not big enough for a movie, but still interesting to fanboys. If they can kind of collect the little, the secondhand criminals and then have this big prison break, maybe to end a, a season or to start a season, and it's just like going to collect these guys as their new job. That could be really interesting as a concept for a season. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this the sandbox could basically turn into the the Marvel version of Arkham Asylum yeah. or something, where you know you 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 have all of these minor villains in one location, and then maybe at the end of the season, the clairvoyant finally shows up, breaks them all out, and it's like, all right, guys, come work for me. Yeah, that would be crazy man i don't want to get too excited because i try to keep my expectations tempered for this show but that would be insane we're on to you who is this agent phil colson with shield we've never actually met but 
familiar with your work. All of it. So this is a getting to know you call? No, just a message. That the first time your aircraft drifts over any country allied with S.H.I.E.L.D., we will shoot you out of the sky. So this is a courtesy call. Well, thank you, Agent Coulson. And I have a message for you. The clairvoyant told me to say hello. Speaking of the clairvoyant, Ian Quinn returns in this episode. He's a, another guy that we've brought up before. He was in uh, the, that episode, The Asset, yeah. with Graviton as well. And we find out at the end of this episode that apparently he's connected to the clairvoyant. Yeah, I love that he um, – I love that they didn't kill him because I remember mm-hmm. specifically saying that during the show when we reviewed that. The Asset, I was just like, yeah, that dude has some uh, you know, good – bad guy type of uh you know charisma where he's just he's like more pure evil than even like a a bad guy with powers who's out to destroy the world he's only in it Mm -hmm. for money which is more fucked up to me than a person with conviction he's just like "Eh, how can i make a buck off this shit oh i can't why don't you just columbine the entire shield academy and i'm gonna turn my plane around because fuck you like that that dude is so fucking evil and then to know that he has this connection with the clairvoyant you kind of have to think like oh okay apparently clairvoyant has more people in his pocket than you think and um more influence than uh we've even been let on and you know, at this point, we think the clairvoyant has like the most influence with the uh, centipede and the lady with the flower dress and kidnapping Colson. Like, there's all this stuff that the clairvoyant's kind of had his hands in, or his or her, her hands in. And now we're like, oh, okay. So, uh, even the money guy is on board with whatever the fuck the clairvoyant's doing. Um, uh, although I'm sure four weeks from now, we'll be saying, I'm so tired of them talking about the clairvoyant. Who the fuck's clairvoyant? <laughs> yeah, eventually, I feel like that could get a little redundant. Yeah. Where it's just like, all right, hurry it'll up. be the new Tahiti. Yeah, um, but but I agree with you. I like the fact that they brought Ian Quinn back. I, I I know that Bibbs has complained a few times that it seemed like in the asset he was just kind of a one dimensional, greedy capitalist villain, and he was just kind of like, well, why couldn't they make him? a Marvel character, a really small character that's already been established in the comics, if that's all they were going to do. But I like the fact that they're going to... It looks like he'll be a recurring character, and they'll keep bringing him back and make him into his own unique threat, exclusive to the show. I prefer when they build from inside than take stuff mm-hmm. from Marvel. Like, Not that it's bad. Like, I Obviously, I, I enjoy Blizzard. I enjoy Graviton and stuff. I just don't know that they can do that every week. So they need to make it interesting on within itself so that we're like, oh, I remember when this guy was on the show. That guy's back. Little stuff like that, I think, builds a, a universe for TV shows. And um, for a while, they really weren't doing it. It was really like it was very episodic, very thing of the week. And uh, when we saw like the return of Mike Peterson, I felt like that was the first time that we were like, oh, so they, they don't mind going back and picking up some of the better parts of the, their other episodes. Ian Quinn is uh, a, a good callback, and I hope they can kind of come back. I really hope they get to uh, that that Amador lady because I enjoy her episode, The Eye, and mm-hmm. I felt like she didn't really get a chance to like you know shine and 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 do uh, anything else for Shield. So I, I hope that comes back too. Well, it's possible that when they realize that Mike is still alive and he has this thing in his eye, like like she did, that they'll bring her back. Mm. And maybe she'll, they'll be like, hey, come help us out. He had the same problem you did. You can, uh, you can talk to him. You can help us you know, fix 
this problem. I I agree with you. I think that the show is really going to become great if they take a lot of these missions of the week that they've previously shown us, some of which have been good, some of which have been disappointing, and they bring them back in a way that makes them feel more meaningful. Yeah, because that is the thing. You can have a dud that you turn into something but like all shows, I mean, this is this is my first time ever reviewing something episodically. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you binge watch a show, right? Like say uh, Breaking Bad or something, some episodes fall flatter to me than others, right? There's an episode where it's about Walt teaching Walt Jr. how to drive. That's not really, you know, the week before they were setting up like two drug dealers coming to his house to kill him, and then they just take a week off to go he's teaching Walt how to drive and Skyler's kind of upset that he's not around the house and I think if I was watching it week to week I probably would have been more like man what was that I don't you know I really feel like they didn't do anything with that and then later on you know you can you can go back to that and go oh well you know what Walt tried to be a father you know like you have that but but in the in the in the moment I'm kind of bored but in the in the in the overall picture of shaping this guy's life 50 episodes you know whatever breaking Mm -hmm. bad was it's not as bad because then it's like i have a more complete picture well the thing the same thing can happen with even an episode like as bad as quote unquote the well um you go back to whatever the reveal is eventually when we get to wards you know what's going on with war if we can make that matter then that's a good tv show is if you can make an episode where I'm like, yeah, I, I hated that shit. It sucked. Nothing really happened. And you go, oh, oh, OK, well, that explains more of what happened in that scene. Now, I see why you're so conflicted. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope the show continues to reference itself because it's the only way it's going to really pull itself above, uh, you know, the quality that people are demanding of it. Speaking of uh, the well, is that Asgardian Berserker staff in the sandbox? Man, yeah, I would love to see like Blizzard get his hands on the Asgardian Berserker staff, and he just become super <laughs> angry freeze guy. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, shout, by the way, shout out to the special effects this episode. Oh yeah, the hurricane. They, they were an improvement. The uh, ice special effects, which are you know kind of difficult to pull off. I enjoyed both of those, man, and they did a good job. So yeah, uh, shout out to them uh, for that. Yeah, overall, this episode looked a lot better than some of the previous episodes. It looked more expensive. I, I, I'm hoping that they didn't just like blow all their budget <laughs> on this and that they really just managed it better. And that's why it, it, it felt uh, a lot more polished and, and just overall a lot more interesting visually of an episode with more locations and, and stuff like that. I'm hoping that this is the kind of thing that we'll see more of in the future and we'll only get a couple episodes every now and then that are just entirely on the plane. The last thing I do want to mention in this episode, again, very, very minor nitpick. What happened to the storm? Yeah. Did it just sit there? Yeah. Was that the end of the storm or not? Like, I didn't understand because it's like the device was broken by the magical powers of lightning, which comic books have abused to no end. Just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every origin story just ah, we can't figure out how the science works. Lightning hit, and now this person has powers. Like that is a go-to comic book cliche. But yeah, the the the, the lightning strikes. The one guy dies. They get the guys out of there. But I felt like they were supposed to be going in there to stop the storm, not save these two dudes. 
so it turned in the middle of the mission to oh we saved those two dudes and we barely made it out of the storm so i guess we're okay and i was like is it everyone about to die? Yeah, I, they, there's that one shot where Ward says he's going to go to the parking deck, and then he opens the yeah. door and sees how crazy it is, and then closes it, and is just like, never mind, I can't make it. And that was a funny little moment. But I and I understand that they don't have the budget probably to do this huge like disaster set piece where the whole university is getting destroyed and stuff like that but i was just thinking well wait so what what happened is shield academy okay Uh, like they literally like cut to either a scene or a commercial where the machine's kind of starting up and they cut back and there's like a car on its side in the middle of the street but there's just no explanation like if it's a storm powerful enough to flip cars but somehow uh, they managed to just get out of there and go, eh, it'll work itself out. Uh, we'll come back and talk we'll talk about it 20 minutes later. It'll be fine. It's like most storms. It'll end eventually. Yeah. It looks like a fucking hurricane. I was like, that is a yeah. six-day storm there. It's going to kill everyone. <laughs> and they just were like, we made it out for us. And isn't this show only about us? Bye. <laughs> I, I assume Shield Academy is okay and no one died right. and it's not going to be millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. Yeah, that was hell the size of like uh, small animals that was hitting yeah. stuff. I was like, everyone's going to die. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a good thing that their little party room is down in the boiler room. <laughs> so I guess they can heat things up yeah. if things start to get really cold and the power goes out. Yeah, they're all geniuses. I'm sure they got double – like, yeah, they got generators and stuff or something, but – yeah, that was really weird because I think the science of it was that they were trying to turn it off. They were reversing it, whatever. Lightning strikes, gives Blizzard, gives Donnie powers. The other guy dies instantly. Mm-hmm. The machine is done, and Donnie is, like, freaking out over the machine being destroyed. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, oh, they don't have the means to end the storm because that's why he's obviously upset that the machine's gone. And instead, they just fly off, and it's like, I guess it worked out. Thor will take care of it. Yeah, yeah. He'll use his Asgardian magic to conjure up a tornado or a hurricane or something and blow it away. Yeah. I guess. My only minor gripe was um, I thought the wall thing was kind of corny, but it was really nothing they could do about it. Like, it was really on the nose where it was just like, and this is the wall where the agents who sacrificed their lives, da 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 And then, like, like the most corniest part was when um Sky's looking at it. Oh yeah. She's like, you know, I kinda wish I had come up through the program too, like you guys, and, and really felt like I was a part of SHIELD. And War's just like, if you just like basically like if you just want to fight on the side of good, then you're part of SHIELD. And I was like, fuck no, you need a PhD <laughs> to get in. And you also yeah. need to go through this board or you can join ops, which has a huge washout rate. So, like, no, you don't just get to be a person that's interested in the greater good and be in S.H.I.E.L.D. That's complete bullshit. No, Rod, we're all part of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> right, just believe In it. one way or another. Just, just believe in yourself. <laughs> just be on the side of good. If you're watching this show and you're on the side of good, you too are part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that was so corny. <laughs> I, all I remember is watching that and going, this wall better come back up by the end of the episode because this, this dialogue was really bad to get to a watching the wall scene and i guess she finds the 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 agent uh was avery or something who died saving her so i guess it comes up 
Well, did you catch it at the the first time she she sees the wall? Uh, Bucky Barnes gets a shout out. Mm-hmm. Shout out, my man, Bucky. And I'm not even a comics guy, but I was like, Bucky, that was the guy from Captain America. I think he's the Winter Soldier. Yep. Hmm. They need to take him back off that wall. That dude's not dead. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of oversight there. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to say about this episode, Seeds, before we get into uh, listener questions? Um, I don't think I don't think I had anything else. To, oh, yeah. Um, I think. And this is not really a prediction, but I kind of hope they show it rather than um, tell it next time. Because uh, I said it earlier, they need to start replacing Colson's Tahiti dream with a Colson getting his brain worked on nightmare. <laughs> that would be really cool because it adds depth and change to that character. And it should be just as redundant as Tahiti, where he can't get that shit out of his head and it's fucking with him. And uh hope and it builds towards something and his, you know, growing animosity with secrets and lies and, and the power structure of Shield. Like I, I I could go for some of that because I feel like that is a disturbing image, even if people don't feel like it's revelatory. It's definitely disturbing. If it would have happened to any of us, we'd all be fucked up thinking about it. And, yep. and they should and they spent the money and it would only take five seconds an episode to show the clip of his brain being worked on. And him waking up in a cold sweat. So do it. Do that. Every episode, there's gonna there will be a character that can't sleep, so so they'll go out into the main living area of the bus. Cus, uh, Colson will be there drinking coffee. <laughs> and they'll be like, "Hey, can't sleep, huh?" And he'll be like, "Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> working on your working on your brain again, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, machines working on my brain again." <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to some uh, some listener questions. Uh, Matt Garza in the chat room has a question. Uh, Rod, why don't you let us know what he says? The, this one keeps coming up, but what's the balance the show needs to have with movies so that it's not a will you shield to tie up all loose ends and still be a standalone show that keeps our interest? Well, for for me personally, man, I think this type, this show today is like the highest hopes I I have. It's beyond my highest hopes because you're using somebody from the Marvel Universe, but you're not using a character that would like that I would even give a fuck about being in the movies and I and no offense to Blizzard and people who created them, but it's good enough to make me feel interested in this show like, oh wow, they they're going to use Blizzard. That's about the level I needed to be. I actually unlike most people with this Age of the Shield thing from the day one and and even to today, I don't want them to do a lot of movie tie-ins. I like if you can't do it big, you probably should stay away from it because it's only going to let people down to start off a commercial with next week, Captain America comes to shield. And then next week is actually like a dude whose last name is America and he's a captain in the <laughs> army or something because you can't go get Chris Evans to be on your show for an hour. You just, you know, uh, two hours of Chris Evans times cost millions and millions of dollars. You're not going to get them to go do 60 minutes of regular TV for the cheap. So I, I kind of hope they shy away from some of the movie ties. A lot of people's least uh, favorite episode is The Well, and it's mostly because the Shield tie, the, the, the Thor tie-in was just so egregious, and people tuned in for it and were like, this isn't Thor. What the fuck is this? So, Well, when it comes to, to the show's relationship with the films, the show should not – exists to just wrap up the loose ends from the movies, um, even though that can occasionally be fun. 
uh, I'm not going to say that could never be fun. What the show needs to do is it needs to, I think, enhance how we view the movies and vice versa. The movies, ideally, if this really is part of a grand plan and part of a grander cinematic universe, they need to reinforce each other. Um, And I'm really curious now to see how Captain America Winter Soldier, what, what that does, because... I haven't been keeping up with the trailers and the gossip and all of that, but from what little I know, I get the impression S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be featured heavily in that movie, and our perceptions of S.H.I.E.L.D. might change dramatically, and they're already starting to do that a little bit in the show, like, is S.H.I.E.L.D. good, is S.H.I.E.L.D. bad, they have so many secrets. We saw in the Avengers that there are some people that that want S.H.I.E.L.D. to uh, keep developing these massive weapons and maybe abuse some of their power. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the organization organization of S.H.I.E.L.D. evolves in the films and the TV show side by side. I think it'd be really cool, and it wouldn't surprise me if they end up doing this, if, you know, phase one of Marvel's plan was S.H.I.E.L.D. brings all these heroes together. Mm. Now, phase two and three is, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes the bad guy yeah. to a certain extent. I think that would be, be really cool if maybe, I don't know what's going to happen to Captain America Winter Soldier, but if, if S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes a little bit more villainous in that, that's obviously going to affect these characters on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the show. Mm. It's going to affect their outlook on their employer. In the books, there's a very adversarial relationship between S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers at a lot of the time, so... Uh, there, it's like in the in the movies right now at the beginning, they're kind of at the beginning of that story arc, and everybody's kind of getting along, and it's like this huge like build up and propaganda machine. The we have our own Avengers, we have the Ultimates, you know. But if you follow the comics, it it's not too long after their first couple fights that it turns into a bunch of egos, a bunch of people not wanting to be told what to do because these are all solo acts essentially that are coming together for the the greater good and uh they've made some choices that are a bit different in the movies um so it'll be interesting to see how it goes because like in the for example in the comic books thor is a completely like he is so anti the man and the government that Mm -hmm. they have to bribe him to be part of the team like and he only shows up for shit that he's interested in so um they've you know so they've kind of made it different you know in in so far anyway uh in the movies because he's kind of like a teen player but in the books it's like uh well he's like and he's a hippie so it's like oh we'll give a million dollars to greenpeace if you just like come help us fight the hulk and he's like Mm -hmm. all right i'll do it this time (laughs) if you need me so uh it's gonna be interesting because i could see a point where you're like fuck shield we don't trust you guys uh we're better off trying to be heroes on our own and that also will create some conflict within the team because they won't have a leadership quote-unquote um and a direction from uh necessarily from sam jackson but yeah I, it could be very very interesting if shield does turn hill and uh, i'd be totally willing to see that andrew right and uh i mean you you know rather that i've had very mixed negative feelings about phase two of marvel's movie plan <laughs> so far i wasn't a big fan of thor the dark world wasn't a big fan of iron man 3 mm-hmm. but in terms of the overall ambition of what they're trying to do i think it's really really fantastic i think it, it it's really cool how 
for phase one of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, S.H.I.E.L.D. was kind of the overarching thing, kind of bringing it all together. Mm. It was it was all Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. bringing the heroes together, forming the Avengers. That was kind of the through line mm. for phase one. Now for phase two, it seems like the Infinity Gems are, are going to be kind of linking it all together. You've got Guardians of the Galaxy coming out. That's going to throw some more wrinkles into things. Now it feels like S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization has gone from the through line in Phase 1 to just one character or one organization, one, one, one entity in a much larger universe Yeah. Um, for Phase 2. And I think that that's really interesting uh, because it does mean that, yeah, that can ch- you can change how the audience looks at S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I would love to see that, man. And especially um, in light of, like, the fact that these guys are solo acts. And, like, one thing I do like about Phase 3, because I wasn't a big fan of uh, Iron Man 3 either, but one thing I do like about the the second phase of movies is that they are really distancing each type of hero, kind of, like, uh, and and Captain America's story is more of the Shield story anyway, because Shield's more involved in that one. So I feel like his story is more important for the setup to whatever Avengers is gonna be, uh, because it is obviously gonna involve Shield. Sam Jack is gonna be back, possibly, I guess. I mean, depending on his fate in this movie, right? But mm-hmm. we're, they're setting up some some like, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? And I think Captain America is really essential for that as he is considered kind of the heart and soul of the team, the the patriotism of the team. Um, And to see him question, even in the Avengers movie, to see him question his own government and go, what the hell is up with you guys and all this alien technology Mm -hmm. was pretty cool. So uh, it looks like maybe we could be getting a ton of that in the next uh Captain America movie and yeah if they do that how do you not write that into the shield continuum on the TV show not just as a one time hey look this thing happened in Captain America but like that has to last forever if you know if shield suddenly becomes a hill right that that can't just be one episode yeah you're totally right you're totally right so so getting back to your question Matt I think We'll we'll know more about this after the release of Captain America: Winter Soldier, but but I get the impression, in the grand scheme of things, Marvel's plan is not just for the show to tie up the loose ends yeah. from the movies. I, I get the impression their plan is for the show to be one piece in this larger puzzle, and for the movies and the show and the upcoming Netflix shows to all kind of just be little different stories set in this one universe that will occasionally influence each other like again i don't know what's going to happen in winter soldier but say like like for example say nick fury was to die in captain america winter soldier it wouldn't surprise me if in captain america winter soldier he dies and then victoria hand replaces him Mm -hmm. and it's like oh yeah she was from the show and now she's also in the movies and they're kind of overlapping it that way and certain things that they introduce in the show will come back in the movies and certain things that they introduce in the movies are going to affect the show. Yeah. So there's different ways that, that they can do it. But I do think it's interesting that they're they're at least trying to make this all kind of feel like different pieces of a larger puzzle. All right. Any other questions? Yeah, we have one more question. It's from uh, MTF3, uh, uh, or the third, I guess, on Twitter. He says... Uh, do you think we'll get an episode on the operations campus? 
Um, I kind of feel like they owe it to us now because I enjoy all the lore of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like going back because, you know, maybe they're not going to do at least they haven't established it as of yet. I don't think they've done one flashback this entire season. Like if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they've had one actual like this happened seven years ago. Like Mm -hmm. so if they're not going to do that, which it seems pretty established that they're probably not. As of yet, you know, knock on wood, nothing's impossible. But then go show us what the fuck happens. Like, show us the operations campus. Show us the hub. Show us uh the science division. Those things add to the folklore, to the lore of the world without actually having to be a flashback. But they can kind of tell you, like, oh, these people, this is what happens here. These people are standouts. This is so, such and such. So... If you're not going to do flashbacks other than uh the whale or something like that or Tahiti, give then go then you have it's your responsibility to the audience to go show us these things that you're setting up and it also is fun. It's really fun. So, I would love to go on Operations Campus and and see the difference between uh, you know, the cultures of the two. It wouldn't surprise me if we get an Operations Campus set episode. I don't think if that happens, it's going to happen this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the kind of thing where they've given us this episode with the with the science campus. They've shown us this part of Shield and, and the Shield universe. And now, if they want, they can just they can just wait, and then they'll find a way to introduce Operations Campus in season two or three, just as a fun callback. Like, oh hey, remember there's these Shield academies and these different branches. So it, it's it's a nice little element that they've mentioned, that they've introduced, and we know it's out there, but there's no real pressing need right now for them to really develop it more. That's one of those things that they can just sit on for a while and just pull it out when it's going to be really cool. Yeah, especially if it's just straightforward, right? Because like the reason this was interesting is because they wrote it with a little bit of a twist where it's like, oh, this is kind of a different culture than what we've been exposed to, especially the whole idea of there's two young rock stars in the in Colson's plane and it's mm-hmm. not uh anyone that can kick anyone's ass like that was a uh, pretty interesting especially seeing it through sky's eyes i feel like operations would be kind of straightforward and part of me also wondered if that's what we saw when we saw mike peterson when they were at that that training facility mm-hmm. part of me wonders if that was just shield operations is that just what they maybe so yeah, maybe maybe that was operations training. I, I kind of want to see communications school, by the way, because apparently that's the easiest one yeah. to get into. <laughs> so that's where all the stupid S.H.I.E.L.D. agents <laughs> study. I want to go see that campus. The Wall of Dead is just like six, seven pages. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the party school. That's where all the people go. They just get drunk. They barely pass all their S.H.I.E.L.D. classes. They join fraternities and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I want to I want to see the communications school for Shield. Awesome. <laughs> All right, any other questions? Uh that appears to be it, man. All right. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Agents of Shield cast. Thanks for tuning in uh if if you're in the chat room and, and thanks for listening at home. Write in and let us know what you thought of this episode and what you what you think of our discussion of it. Uh, you can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also leave us a voicemail either through the website or at 336-793-2509. You can subscribe to us through iTunes and Stitcher. 
And if you like us, please uh, write us a review. That really helps us out a lot in terms of getting the word out about the show. And if you leave us a positive review, we will make you an honorary member of the team. Uh, and if you really, really like the show and you'd like to financially support us, uh, you can donate to us by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking the donate button. Uh, we also have an affiliates page on our website. Uh, and we are affiliated with a few organizations, including Amazon. And anything you purchase from Amazon, if you use our site to get there, uh, we'll, we will get a, a couple pennies, a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something for yourself and help us out at the same time. We really appreciate that. And as always, uh, be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and uh, Detect This, which is our new weekly podcast all about the HBO series True Detective. Well, Agent Rod Morrow, we made it, just the two of us. We did it, man. We were able to find uh, everybody's secret origin, and uh, now I'm going to tell everybody the entire truth when we see them again. Well, where can people find you online? Uh, Just theblackguywhotips.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Rodimus Prime. Or you can uh, follow me if you want to see what I think about shows as I live tweet them at Rod Live Tweets. You can find my film and TV criticism at MovieMezzanine.com and Pathios.com. You can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix and Detect This. Uh, And you can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. And I hope you'll do so so we can keep talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That'll wrap it up for this episode. Agent Disassemble. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!